episode 48, A Spork in the Road Didn't Stop Her Tenacity. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we hear Dr. Janelle Hadley, MD, perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Dr. Janelle has a really good story. It's about not taking no for an answer. You'll hear all about her story, about how she always kind of wanted to be a medical doctor, but was doing other things before that. So she started school a little later than most people. Uh, She went to the Caribbean. Uh, She'll be going to residency a year later than expected. So that's why I use the tongue-in-cheek spork instead of just the fork. Yeah, I can be a little cheesy. Anyway, I think you're going to love and get motivated by what she has to say. She's also a pretty good baker. And if you're in the Chicago area, ooh, you could taste her food. So take a listen, learn, and implement. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash four eight. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from the great state of Louisiana in the United States of America, welcome back to a Doctor's Perspective podcast. Today, we have a new, fresh doctor <laughs> waiting for residency. Also, an award-winning bakery chef. I can't be any more happier to talk to Dr. <laughs> Janelle Hadley. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I think you're going to create a new perspective on this podcast because we haven't had, we've had someone who's maybe a year or two out of residency, Okay. but we haven't had anybody in this in-between stage. So I think you're going to be a huge help to younger people who are listening, as well as reminding some of the older guys what it was like and what it's like now, mm-hmm. and maybe that they can help somebody else as well. So I think this is going to be fun. So to start, okay. what's your backstory? How'd you pick medicine and uh, what is your going to be your specialty? So I am um, from a very, very, very small suburb outside, right outside of Chicago. And for a long time, I actually knew that I wanted to be a physician. But it's funny because I started off wanting to do psychology. And I thought about psychology, I want to say like in seventh grade. Um, it was at that point I was I knew that I would either have to get a Ph.D., to further my education um, in psychology. But then I thought to myself, well, why would I do all that? And I won't be able to write prescriptions, which is, you know, that's what kind of led me to medicine. And so in high school, I had counselors and they were able to, you know, get me different programs. And so I did some um, programs at Northwestern and it just really um, shed some light on different areas of medicine and just really made me fall in love that much more. So I went to undergrad at Howard University and there I also got more exposure to the entire field field of medicine. After that, I didn't pursue medicine directly. I came home for a little bit, worked, and I decided, well, you know what? Maybe I should get my master of public health. I think that's a great thing to do. That if, especially if I'm considering a, a, a field, um, if I'm considering a future in medicine, to help to bridge that gap. So yeah. I went to get my uh, master of public health from UIC, and that just made me fall in love with medicine even more. I knew that urban areas is where I would want to kind of focus my attention on. And from that point, again, I went to work. So I, you know, my, my, my journey to medicine is not really direct. It's more of a untraditional path, but I went to work for North Park university. I was the chemical hygiene officer, lab safety officer there. And it was at that time that I, you know, was engaging with students um, and saw them, you know, pursuing their desire to pursue medicine and dentistry and all that. And I'm like, you know what, you know, you've always wanted to be a doctor. This is the time to, you know, at least try. 
So I applied to one school, um, Trinity School of Medicine, which is actually in the Caribbean, in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I went there for two years, did all my book work, um, came back to the States and did all my rotations here in Chicago. And I recently graduated from Trinity School of Medicine in June of 2017. So that's kind of like my backstory of why medicine um, or how I got to medicine. But why particularly medicine? Um, when you look at people of color, you see a lot of disparities. And you also see, you don't see a lot of people in healthcare in terms of physicians and mm-hmm. their care. And so for me, that was important that I have patients who understand that I understand them culturally. I just want to make an impact, um, help, you know, decrease rates of diabetes and, you know, obesity and high blood pressure and all these different things. And so for me, that's something that's also hit close to home, something that's, you know, afflicted several members of my family. And that's kind of the, I guess, long, short story of, of why medicine. Seventh grade, I didn't even know who to talk to to figure out that a psychologist <laughs> would have to go get a PhD <laughs> to be uh, truly professional. You know, master's, of course, does work. But how did you figure that out? Were your parents, are your parents uh, college grads? Or no, had- actually. <laughs> so my sisters and I, we're the first generation um, to actually complete college. Both my parents have, you know, done some courses here and there. But we're, we're the mm-hmm. first of our generation to, you know, go to college and complete and uh, whatnot. So I don't even know. I'm trying to remember. And I don't, I don't remember how I knew that or what, what I read specifically, but yeah. I guess AOL dial-up was doing you good. (laughs) Probably (laughs) whatever kind of research we had at that time. So I never asked people's age, but I'm kind of like, I'm backtracking. I'm like, all right, you say you did this and you did a master's. Uh I was like, all right, I kind of know how old you are. um, Yeah. And then I worked too. So that's the thing. I've worked for the Environmental Protection Agency. I've been able to do some work with Chicago Department of Public Health. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of up there in age, which is another thing that, you know, any dream that you have, you can always pursue it. It's never too late. It's never too late. A lot of people, they already know they want to be a doctor. They go, they get out and practice for a few years, and then they're like, ah, I should probably get my master's in something. Mm-hmm. And you've already got that. So mm-hmm. you can automatically, if you want to transition into managerial after a few years, you've already got the credentials. Absolutely. That'll be, that, that's a plus. Definitely. And I actually knew a girl. She, uh, she went to, I don't know if there's that many colleges in the Caribbean or if it's everybody kind of goes to the same one. Mm-hmm. There, there are several actually, okay. several different medical schools in the Caribbean. She started there and then decided to go do chiropractic instead. Okay. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I had another one that did finish her chiropractic degree and then went there to get hurt like what you did. Mm-hmm. And then she ended up in thinking Kansas to finish up all okay. the stuff to be licensed in America. Uh, okay. Because if that, it, maybe we cover that a little. When you go to the Caribbean, if you finish all your school there, if you don't do your mm-hmm. rotations in America, it doesn't actually like count. You have to redo them okay. in America, right? Is that true? Yeah, it seemed, it, that, that would seem about it. The, I think the biggest thing is are the boards. The boards. I'm not 100% sure about the, the rotations, but as long as you pass your American boards, that's the biggest hurdle, I think, to anyone who studies outside of the U.S. Yeah, and that was a great experience. It was a very unique experience, let me tell you, um, because considering, you know, we're a first world country, we have access to every single thing we want. Living in the Caribbean just really opened my eyes and it really taught me a whole lot. It taught me a lot about myself and what's really important in life. And so for me, it was difficult being away from home, but at the same time, it was easy to just focus on my studies. And then, of course, I saw, you know, the ocean every single day the beautiful water. And then even, you know, when it's raining, it literally would rain for like 15 minutes 
And then the sun would come back out and dry the land and as if no rain ever came. And that's a perfect segue actually into baking because it was there that I actually developed my, my already pre-existing passion for baking. So um. being there, having their sweet treats and stuff, it was different. It was unique, but it wasn't home. Mm-hmm. And so I would say sometimes, you know what? I really am craving, you know, maybe some pound cake or something. And I would have the ingredients and I would make them. I would make some cake or something, but I wouldn't make it and just eat it myself. Okay. I would make it, you know, kind of to de-stress a little bit, take my mind off studying. And then I would go share with my friends. And so there was a point where I would start posting on my Instagram. And I said, I don't want to continue to post just food on my personal Instagram. So then I created a baking Instagram for those people who were interested. And they can come over there and see my different baked goods. Mm-hmm. I would come home and people would say, oh, my gosh, it looks so great. I need to have some. And then that's when a light bulb clicked. And it was like, you know what? Baking ingredients aren't cheap and there's a demand. So I'm going to, you know, try this and see if it works. And if it doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, I still love to bake, Mm -hmm. you know. But if it works, then that's just another stream of income. So that's that's actually so funny that that passion also developed when I was exploring another passion. So two for one kind of thing. So you had like a store? In the Caribbean? I didn't. Oh. No, no store. Just I would bake in my in my apartment there and then I would just go, you know, share with my friends who were who were studying at the same time too. And that would be like a little, you know, special thing to their day. You uh, know, just giving how, giving some slices of cake or muffins yeah. or whatever. How did you monetize that? Through the Instagram? Oh, I did so so not there. I didn't monetize it, but when I came back home and, and uh, moved back here back in 2014. It wasn't until 2015 that I decided, okay, well, let's see how this, you know, business thing could go. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a brick and mortar. I don't have, you know, storefront or anything like that. Oh, okay. But, you know, I, I still am able to, you know, successfully have my business and I use, you know, social media to my advantage for that. Nice. And did you win, you won an award for a competition? There was no competition directly, but there was uh, a specific organization mm-hmm. and they order for me all, all the time. And I think that they, you know, kind of deemed me that name, but I've not officially uh. participated in any competition. Although in the future, I, um, I don't know, the time thing kind of would scare me, but I would definitely be up for the challenge because a lot of times it's like, okay, you have two hours and go. And so I think that would be the most challenging aspect, but I'm definitely open to competitions in the future. I think we've all seen what cake wars and cupcake wars yeah. and all these, you're like, <laughs> yeah, Oh my crazy. gosh. <laughs> Jeez. What's your, no, we don't have to talk about baking all the time, but what is your, uh, I guess, top two that just, you love to bake and people just love to eat. Top two, definitely easy. Easy would be my cream cheese pound cake. People just love it. It's so moist and tender and it just reminds you of like grandma, you know, it reminds you of something that's just so familiar, so warm and it's just easy. It's easy to make, but it's a lot of love that goes into it. And so that's one. The second one would be peach cobbler. Oh, peach cobbler. And it's not your traditional like lattice crust, but it's more of like a biscuit crust and then it gets nice and crunchy on top and the the warm peaches and you have to have ice cream. Anyone who purchases peach cobbler from me, I suggest it's almost like a mandatory requirement that you have vanilla ice cream to serve with it. Yeah. Cause that's, what's the point? What's the point? (laughs) All right. I'll I'll drop my address uh, after the show and uh, no, just kidding. (laughs) UPS that thing overnight with some styrofoam. Uh, (laughs) 
So you can definitely answer this question kind of however you want. You can go with the bakery, you can go with the medical doctor, you can go both. When we talk about misconceptions about our profession, Mm-hmm. Especially you have a, a unique view working in the Caribbean, I mean, school in the Caribbean, then coming back. Would you recommend that to other students as a way to go, as like a first choice? Do mm-hmm. that. It's really awesome. And then like some misconceptions about maybe doing school there versus always making sure you go to an American school. Okay, absolutely. So for me, um, the first question, what I recommended, I would recommend this. And here, here's my biggest thing. I am a by any means necessary kind of person. I want to say to anyone who is determined and and really wants that opportunity, their opportunity is there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I will say. I will also say that, you know, you have to do what works best for you in your particular situation. If you have time for me, MCAT was a big hurdle, but I knew that I did not want to take it multiple times. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to take it once and that was it. And so for me, I feel like that was the biggest thing that kept me out of American schools, just being very transparent. But at the same time, there was an opportunity for me to showcase that, hey, I can do this. I am more than mentally you know, capable. It's just that I don't test well. And so this for me. You were many years removed from some of these classes, too. Let's just be honest. Organic chemistry, was, if you even I took it in like undergrad, it was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was a long time ago. It was definitely a long time ago. And so it was it was the opportunity presented itself. I was successful there. Um, and it. Again, it taught me a whole lot about myself, about my resilience, about my ability to learn how I learn. I didn't know mm. how I learned, even in undergrad. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's a huge thing in terms of being successful in any graduate program is how do you learn and how do you maximize that learning? And for me, being away and separated from, you know, different distractions of being at home, you know, I can just be there and focus on yeah. what I need to focus on. And there were no distractions. So it was it was a great opportunity, as I stated before. But at the same time, there are challenges that you face and there are misconceptions about if you go to a Caribbean medical school, then you're looked at Mm -hmm. differently. And that's unfortunately, that's true. Um, When you are trying to get interviews for residencies, you have to make sure that you stand out above the crowd or that your board scores are, you know, better Mm -hmm. um, to get the same opportunities as, you know, students who may have gone to school in the States, which you know, I mean, it's life, you know, you have the good and the bad and you just have to roll with the punches and make the best of whatever situation. Well, you, you know, have. I heard that the more education you get, the more residencies, the more fellowships. That's what people care about. They're not like, oh, where'd you go to undergrad? You're a doctor. No, I don't care where you went to undergrad. Where'd you get your, mm-hmm. you know, where'd you get your your, your doctorate <laughs> degree? Oh, you did your residency? Oh, where'd you do your residency at? Like, that's what I care about. You're like, they don't even care after a while, but it's to mm-hmm. get into they the system. Care, yeah. Yeah. Just hey, what do they call you? Is it, um... Doctor, right, I think exactly. they call you doctor, right? right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you know what they call a C student? MD. I love it. It's like a, it's like a little equation. It's like C equals MD, and that's the funniest thing because you know, growing up, you know, I was the smart kid, quote unquote. I was smart, get the you know, get these grades and all these things, and then things kind of change a little bit once you get into math school, and you're like, wait a minute. Um, I have to know all, I didn't have to know, I think one time we had to know like 10 chapters in two weeks or something ridiculous for like histology. And it was yeah. like, you know what? I have seen more information in these past two weeks than I have ever in my life. And if I just pass this exam, I will be more than okay. I will be, yep. you know, we will see this all again for review. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But your yeah. perspective changes for sure. Oh yeah. So you're doing a 
a general practice residency? So I, was, I... So I've applied to family medicine. Um, and family so medicine. I used to be hardcore OB-GYN um, because I have a huge passion for women's health. But I recently, mm. when I um, was doing one of my electives, I did an elective for a family medicine doctor. And she blew me away with everything that she does with her um, wealth of knowledge. And for me, that just really opened my eyes to, you know, thinking about medicine a little differently. And I know that comprehensive medicine is something that's really important to me. And I still get women's health, but then I get so many different other, you know, aspects of medicine. I get peas. I get um, even psych. You know, you, you'd be surprised at the people that come in there and the stories that they share with you and you know, you're, you're kind of like counseling them at that time and just, you're a big gatekeeper. Yeah, absolutely. The gatekeeper. I was, I really, it just changed my mind so much. And then it showed me a lot of my strength was, was, was dealing Mm -hmm. with people of all ages, you know, and being able to connect with people of all ages, races, gender as well. And so it really seemed like a better fit for me, family medicine. How, cause you mentioned you wanted to help like urban and, 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 colored people and things mm-hmm. like that. So how do you, do you just niche down and like when you go to find a hospital or a private practice, mm-hmm. do you go to the urban area and open up shop or do you market to just like, Hey, I'm, I'm like you mm-hmm. and come see me. So, or like, how, how do you see that going? So for me, what I did was when I was applying for res- residency, I was specifically looking for programs that do um, have that aspect of urban and or underserved communities. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. they are already planted there in terms of residency. And so I wouldn't really have to go out and look. I would be in in that environment. And it's, it's hugely important. Okay. I, I guess that would speak to another misconception is, unfortunately, the underserved don't always get the back, the best access to quality health care. And that's another thing that, you know, drives me. And I, I want to make sure that people have the same right, no matter, you know, your background, no matter how much you can afford, that you have access to quality healthcare and someone who actually, you know, cares versus you're just another number or your money in the bank or whatever the case is. You actually have a passion to help these people who otherwise would might get suboptimal care. Absolutely. Interesting. You're in that unique spot where you're going to start yep. doing a residency mm-hmm. to where you can really mold yourself and choose to focus and you can figure out like these are the issues that they're having yes. on a regular basis. Let me learn as much as I can Absolutely. more than the next guy about the urban struggles. Mm-hmm. That way you can better serve them in the future. Because there are so many things that go into, you know, healthcare. It's not just, oh, I come for this visit. It's like, no, how are you getting here? What is your transportation mm-hmm. like? Or or what do you have access to in, in your community in terms of being active? Can you play outside? Or is there gun violence yeah. that you're concerned about? Do you have access to uh, quality food or is there a food desert? So there are so many different things that go into caring for patients. And it's not just you come through the door and I assess your labs and you have this and I send you on your way. You know what I'm saying? So explain. I don't think everybody probably knows what's a food desert. Okay, so food desert basically is your access to fresh quality produce. And things like that and, and, and where you live in proximity to that. There are several food deserts here in Chicago where, say, you have the, the nearest store you may have um, in walking distance to you may be within like, two miles or something like that. And yeah. there's no fresh produce or there's nothing, you know, lively to keep you healthy. So you can't push for health, 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 eat healthfully when there's only canned goods and, and, and orange juice and, you know, pop chips. Or whatever yeah. at the grocery store, you know. 
uh, I hope that, you know, can kind of shed a little bit of light. But yeah, definitely do a little bit of homework if you're listening um, on what food deserts are and how they impact um, healthcare. I had heard, maybe it was when all that Ferguson stuff was going down. Mm -hmm. The, I don't know, there was one store that had stuff like, like that you would actually want to eat. Okay. And then it was damaged and the guy was like, yeah, well, I'm not rebuilding. And so then now there was an entire area and like I said, it could have been somewhere else, but now that entire, however many blocks now didn't have any fresh food or like a real grocery store at all. Wow. And that's, you know, yeah. And and it's, you know, it's important to keep that in mind for people, especially people who don't have, you know, access to cars or even public transportation sometimes is out of reach for some people. That's horrible in America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe Chicago probably has better public transportation. It's definitely better. It's better here. But it is tough to like, if you know you got to walk two blocks with a bag of groceries, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a long walk, you know, especially can, if you're already obese and you can't walk good. Oh, I have this grocery store right up the street. I'm just going to go get some, you know, two bags of chips and some pop or McDonald's yeah. is right up the street and then they have the dollar menu and that's where we're going to eat for dinner, you know, five times mm-hmm. out of seven days a week. There are so many components um, to providing healthcare and not just thinking, you know, uh, linearly, but you have to think on a, on a broad spectrum. Indeed. We've all got unique abilities, mindsets. What are yours that's made you, because some people, they started a job, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going back to school. I'm going to be a public public health administration, <laughs> you know, for the rest of my life, the EPA. But you changed. Mm-hmm. So you, you've conquered what you needed to. What, what sets you apart? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say a few things, but definitely I'm going to speak to my tenacity and mm-hmm. my ability to never say, except no for an answer. Uh, because that, for me, is something that <clears throat> a lot of people settle for. You get a no, and then you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to try. I'm going to be done. Where's an example that you've had to do there with? Um, so even, let's say just MCAT, for example. You know, that was okay. looking at my score and knowing that I'm not considered to be quote-unquote competitive. I could have looked at that and said, you know what, Janelle, maybe medicine isn't for you. You know, maybe what society tells you in terms of your score is, what's going to define you. So you know what, Mm -hmm. maybe you should just think about something else. Or you can be open and say, you know what, what are my options? What are my options to making my dream come true? No matter what? No, I'm not taking no for an answer. And so Mm -hmm. that's just one of of countless stories on, on, on my particular journey where, you know, I've been faced with, I can, I can accept what I've been given, or I can continue to press forward. And, you know, that's a, a, a something that you don't you don't know that you have until you face it, until you go through it. It's definitely going to be something that I talk about more in the future um, and explore that. But it's just, you know, not to, not taking no for an answer, continuing to move forward, um, having a, a close support system around you who lifts you up and encourages you and even is there to, you know, pay for your meal when you don't have money or, you know, whatever the case is, but just. Never saying I accept what is being given to me at this moment. When you're going through your journey, have you had any roadblocks because you're African-American and a woman? Absolutely. Um, even just and that, that's one thing that I like to talk about as well. You know, there out of all the physicians in America, there um, are only five percent of black of doctors in America are black. And so, you know, wow. a lot of times when you walk into a room. Even as a med student, they're, you know, they don't understand, oh, what is a medical student? Are you, are you in school to be a nurse or are you going to be a tech? Like they don't, you know, understand, like I'm going to to school to be a doctor. And then even after you are a physician and you have all these things, they're like, oh, okay. So are you, you know, this person and and are you that person? And I'm so happy that we have so many different people coming together um, in healthcare because we're all important entities, right? 
but mm-hmm. it's never, are you the doctor? You know, and it's actually uh. funny. I was going through, um, France. I went to Nigeria for medical mission work. And so on my way back, I was coming, uh, through France. And so the guy, he was checking, um, I think he was checking my passport and he was asking, you know, so what were you doing in Lagos? I was like, I was there for medical mission work. And he said, Oh, okay. Are you, are you a doctor? And that was refreshing. Like I had to go all the way to France. <laughs> um, or yeah, go, go to Paris. Well, no, go to, go to France to, to have someone acknowledge me sometimes. But I mean, I'm, people don't see it a lot either. So I can't blame people for something that they don't really see a lot either. But that definitely has yeah. had some, it's, it's fair share challenges. And, um, just as a woman, sometimes you're undermined or, you know, people don't sometimes take you seriously because you look a certain way or you look pretty or they can't confide in you. I've had patients where, you know, I'll go and vital them. I'll go talk to my attending and my attending is like, oh yeah, he's not just here for a, a, a visit. He's here because he wants to get screened for STDs or something like that. So, but they don't, uh, you know, they don't want to be completely honest or give you full disclosure because, you know, you look a certain way or you're a woman or whatever the case is. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard that several times with, um, it's like when you're leaving the room. Oh, by the way. <laughs> right, right. Like I'm too embarrassed to actually talk to you. I had somebody was saying sometimes their own race had an issue with them being the doctor because it was like too close to home. Mm-hmm. And so they felt better like having a guy or you know, a, a white doctor. Mm-hmm. And when that does different for me, I was like, wow, I thought you would definitely be like, oh, you're black. I'm black. Instant connection. You know what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more, there's more trust immediately built. The rapport is there. Yeah. And so that really surprised me whenever I was, I was learning that no, that's not always the case. Yeah. Sometimes like, that oh, is, wow. that is true as well, where you do have, unfortunately, you do have some people who won't value what you have to say, because again, you do have that Oh, you're black or you're a woman. Um, and uh-huh. you know, you can, all you can do is educate as much as you can be respectful because honestly, my thing is you're the patient and ultimately I want to honor what you want. So, you know, I will educate you to the best of my, my ability, but at the same time, I want to make sure that you're comfortable because this is your, this is your time. This is your service that you're receiving. Yeah. And that's your right. When we're looking at staff, you obviously don't have to hire staff and all that kind of stuff at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But when you're interacting with nurses, with uh, LPNs, with people, quote, below you in rank. Okay. Um, that, that air quoted that one. Guys. Yeah, I don't know. please. Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> air quote, air quote. But they're obviously there's a hierarchy. Yeah. They're not in the same level as you are. And so you can dictate orders and, and do things. Is there, have you experienced how to train or how to um, interact with them so that it's cooperative and there's less of that, like, I'm the doctor, do what I say exactly. type of atmosphere? So a, a few things. First of all, when I was training, there was this ob in St. Vincent, and he told me that 60% of what he learned came from the nurses. And so for me, that really sets the, sets the foundation of making sure there's a mutual respect. I respect mm-hmm. you, you respect me. And so I've always gone to any rotation or any environment with that mentality. It's important that that respect is their baseline. Also understanding that we can learn from each other. It's not you learn from me, it, mm-hmm. but it's that we can learn from each other. And so there was a day um, I was on my surgery elective and one day we just had some downtime. And so I said, you know what? There's a nurse here. I love her. She's really sweet. And I'm going to ask her to spend some time with her to see, you know, what is her day like? Because a lot of mm-hmm. times there is that disconnect. And I'm trying to, I want to get down to the root cause of what, why is there a disconnect? 
So I spent the day with her and I'm grateful for that day because I learned a lot in just one day with her. And she was showing me how to work the IV machine when it goes off. And if, if I'm in the room as a physician, I don't need to say, hey, nurse, can you come turn this off? I should be able to operate all the machinery so that it's not inconveniencing you other think. people. Yeah, I should. Right. Also, she was telling me um, just about communication. You know, if we're if, if, if I have four patients on the floor that day is from mm-hmm. her perspective, if I have four patients and those patients require vitals, you know, every six hours and then I have to make sure medications are getting filled and all these different things. Why? And I'm not at my desk and you see as a physician, you're on the floor with me and you see that something needs to get done. You know, can you talk to me about it versus putting the order in the computer and expecting that I'm going to be at the computer and see the order at that time? Of course, the order has mm-hmm. to go through, you know, it's, it's uh, the way that it's supposed to go appropriately. But just talking about communication, how we can, you know, respect each other more. And she just really opened my eyes to any misconceptions that may be had about the nurse doctor relationships. I know a lot of times in medicine, we see that these two different worlds that don't always mesh as, as, as well as they could. But we always have to remember that it's the patient that we're caring for. And so I always want to make sure that we're all on one accord. And that goes again for any other staff is that making sure that we're all on the same page, that we're even anticipating needs. You know, if I have, let's say, an OB patient come in, every OB patient comes in, they need a urine analysis, right? Mm-hmm. So if you see that I have, you know, three patients in the room and you have an OB, OB patient come in, you know what? Hey, doc, I'm going to go ahead and have her use the restroom. Bam. I don't have to ask you for a urine sample. I mean, and it's simple things like that. But as long as everyone's on the same page, as long as we are communicating effectively, I think that's the biggest thing to having a great team, a, a great camaraderie amongst your team. Well, you're definitely on the right track. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I've seen it. And the more you invest into your staff and into your your nurses and, and the training that they have, mm-hmm. it's going to make your job so much easier, yeah. too, especially if you we already been doing this job for a long time. And you come in and we are you're able to kind of guide us on like how you like it. Yeah. But we already know what to do is just guide us how you want it done. That way yeah. you're happy. And then we can still keep doing our flow correctly as well. And I will say to the doctor who changed everything about um, where I was thinking about going long term with family medicine, she leads by mm-hmm. example. She leads by example, meaning that no big, no job is too big or too small for her. If, you know, if, if I see that the MA is busy and she's bringing patients back to vital, but this room is, is dirty and I'm, you know, finished with my patients, there's. There's nothing beneath me that I can't go and take the gown and put in the laundry or, you know, tear off the sheet so that that room is prepared and ready. There's nothing that's that's too low for me. And I I feel like that's another. Well, I can't do that because I'm the doctor. I need you to do that. You know, we work together as a team. Then everything could be seamless. That's just my opinion. I'm sure there may be people that differ with me, but we're not going to always agree on everything. But for me, leading by example um, is huge as well. Where are you seeing yourself in five years or 10 years? Any big goals? Not they don't have to be big goals, but goals that you have set for yourself. You know, and, and how do you know if they're worthy? I have so many goals. And I don't, I mean, and I, I guess that's kind of why I am where I am now, because I have these goals that sometimes seem unrealistic. But for the next five to 10 years, uh, I'm going to start personally, actually. I see myself with a family. Um, I don't have, mm-hmm. I'm not married yet. I don't have children yet, but I definitely see that in my five to 10 year range. So that's one. Um, Two, definitely see myself, you know, as a practitioner working in the field of medicine, but working to make a difference, especially when it comes to meaningful long-term outcomes. You know, I don't want to just 
treat disease, but I want to work to eliminate disease. And if I can be doing that within the next five to 10 years and, and making an impact, especially with patients and, you know, discontinuing medications or lowering dosages of medications or, you know, things like that, really having substantial change within the medical community, I would love to to, to say that I'm doing that within the next five to 10 years. Also, probably a book. Um, that's something that I would like to have just to kind of share my journey as it is very unique, non-traditional. And so just something that would inspire, but also have some transparency component uh, as mm-hmm. well. A lot of times we see the glitz and the glam and the glitter, but we don't see the cracks and we don't see the falls. And I want to encourage people that life is not always likable. Um, mm-hmm. So that's probably within the next five to 10 years as well. And just, you know, traveling more and things like that. So that's my next five to 10 years. What's your view when you're, when we're talking about, you know, diabetes management, high cholesterol, mm-hmm. blood pressure, things like that, you know, coming in as a chiropractor, you know, we think we can't prescribe drugs. So we, we look at natural things yeah. that has been shown to work in the research and things like that. But what is kind of starting out in residency? Do you have any views on helping people to counteract some of these things through diet, exercise, nutrition versus um, pills and the more pharmacological mm-hmm. methods? Absolutely. So there are two things really quick. I'll just hit on those. I wish that we had more training as physicians in our um, in, in our books, you know, that we learned more about nutrition and things like that. I'm sure some, you know, programs are different and they vary across the states, but I just wish that we did have more exposure to that um, mm-hmm. so that we can, you know, guide our patients in one way or the other. But also the hardest part, unfortunately, is people. And, you know, I, I, I wish that, you know, we didn't have to have, you know, all these drugs to help people maintain their blood glucoses and insulin and all that stuff. But at the same time, we have to want to change. And some people, unfortunately, don't. So that's why we do, you know, we do have our pharmacological um, training to where we can help to intervene in certain areas. But would I like to have more patients not on medications? Absolutely. Would I like to explore more holistic ways to, you know, decrease your cholesterol or whatever the case is. Absolutely. So that's another thing probably within the next five to 10 years that I want to educate myself, you know, on other more natural remedies to, uh, to, to tackle some of the ailments that we see. But again, people, old habits die hard. I would love to say that we just should only treat holistically and not introduce medications, but People, you know, have bad habits and are not changing. Yeah. So, and let's be honest, my subset of population is going to be different than yours, mm-hmm. and so we may only see those types of people that are proactive. Yeah, they they they're a little more. We I don't want to take the the painkiller anymore. I need to figure out what's the root cause. Mm-hmm. Oh, while I'm here, let me try to do X, Y, and Z. Where I think a, a general practice family doctor, you're going to see everybody Everything. who's like, I'd rather cut my leg off, amputate my foot. Because I'm not stopping my brownie addiction. That's true. And so true. And we're just not going to see a lot of that type of patient where you, I can see the doctor just like, I, I'd like to just give up. You know, sometimes yeah. it's like, like, I quit. I used to do this and then I quit. And that's why I just give drugs because the population I see just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. They don't want to help Unfortunately, themselves. Unfortunately, you know, some people. And then some part of it, too, is not even that they're not caring, but just the not knowing. And so there they're, they're not educated and they don't. And not educated in terms of, you know, going to school and having a degree, but educated in terms of. Oh, so you're telling me if I do this and that's going to impact me in this way? What's an example that I can think of? 
just simple things like cutting out pop, you know, or cutting out juice or, you know, let's say, hey, I'm going to replace one meal a day with a salad. And and people don't understand yeah. how one small change could make a huge impact. People think that you have to change everything completely and I have to go vegan and I have to restrict myself. And so then you get scared and all these different I'll things. Never eat pasta and rice again. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then so it's just it's so many different things that 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 play into you know, patients as well. And then people get on Google and they're like, well, I Googled this and they said that if I do this and I can't do that. And it's just like, no. So having to, you know, reshape and, and help educate, that's, that's huge. But, um, I, I would love if we could find, I guess, a happy medium, you know, sometimes they're just complete opposite spectrum. People completely yeah. change. And then people were like, I'm not changing as you stated before. If people would just lay off the WebMD a little please, bit more. Please, oh. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> I know it's cancer, man. I know it. <laughs> like, um, no, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's Ebola. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Or> Ebola. <laughs> it's a little GERD. That's it. It's not a heart attack. You know, you're not going to die. Yeah. Oh, it's a little GERD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called gout. Lay off the protein for a little while. Just a little bit. Are you crazy? <laughs> What am I supposed to eat if I can't eat a pound of beef every day? Crazy. Man. That's hilarious. We're going to switch gears a little here on you. And I don't know how, well, you're about to be swamped with no No, real vacation time, I'm guessing. So being that you're about to experience some of the hardest work schedules, Mm -hmm. how do you plan to get a mental vacation, let your your body and your mind recover when you're expected to be on so much and always learning. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning to kind of do that now um, in terms of like work-life balance is important. And so mm-hmm. it's funny um, that you mentioned that because I was, I really want to learn how to play the electric guitar. I started watching YouTube and I even went on Amazon and saw like a kit um, with has the amp and have all has all these things. Um, <laughs> and so I'm looking to, to get that within hopefully the next week and just like making sure that I always have some me time. Um, no mm-hmm. matter what, no matter how busy or crazy that my schedule gets, that I'm always doing something for myself. Um, I really enjoy going to live music, completely love, love enjoying art. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, baking, you know, baking. This is the season watching Food Network. Like right now is Food Network season in my jams and just really soaking up all these amazing recipes and getting inspired and just always making sure that I have some form of me time during the week for sure, for sure. And then traveling, I'm grateful that I've been able to travel within the past year. I've gone to Greece. I've done Lagos, Nigeria. Um, I think I also went to Costa Rica. And then, you know, so just making sure that, you know, even though I may not have all the time in the world, when I do get some time to travel, I would love to travel more. Very good. You know, I impressed my wife one time. I made a chicken dish with, peaches really yeah it was like a little savory with a little bit of sweet yeah and i was like the years of watching food network just absorbing (laughs) it subconsciously you know i was like oh i don't know how to make a a confiti or whatever these these crazy mousses (laughs) they put on everything but i was like i've seen enough fruit combined with meat to know that this could work for some people yeah did you make a little sauce too no i'm not no sauce okay I mean, maybe there's some soy sauce and then like the juices from the meat and from the vegetables well, that's a pan and maybe sauce. a little water so it don't stick. But that yeah, was it. Yeah, that's, that's called a pan sauce. So you, you made yeah, a pan sauce. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't do a, a peach sorbet on top, you know, or something. 
I'm trying to, I'm, I'm really rocking my brain. I'm like, what were all those fancy, I don't know, these French words that they use. Yeah. Like, oh, that's all that really is? That's a big it's name. It's a big for name a, for, you know, just three things. A ganache or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's chocolatey, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like a chocolate sauce. <laughs> Probably don't put that on your chicken. No. <laughs> Unless you're on chop. Unless you're on chop. Oof. Because you're forced to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you're not married. But that doesn't mean you haven't dated in your time. Oh, snap. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. I would assume you did. But what kind of relationship advice might you have? Because a lot of people are divorced. Okay. Yeah, that's back out true. there. On, am I supposed to Snapchat? <laughs> do I do dating sites? What kind of pictures can I see? Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so what kind of, maybe what kind of advice do you have for the uh, 2017 crowd okay. who's out there? So that's a very, very interesting question. So it's very... So, okay, so, because I, I consider, I'm a millennial, technically, mm-hmm. by, by, you know, my birth year. Dating as a millennial is very interesting because we're not confined anymore to just, you know, 20 mile radius. You know, if mm-hmm. I want to meet someone via, you know, whatever site or something, I can meet them and they live in Washington or, you know, Maine or whatever, you know, so that's interesting. And just being open, I would definitely say that that's my advice is just to be open because you never know. Um, who you may meet. And that's the great thing about technology is we do have access to more options. But then again, that could be considered a bad thing as well. So being open. Also, do you ever get overwhelmed? Um, not so much. I, not so okay, much. I, I, I did online dating before I got married. Okay. And it was, you know, I was available. I was like, okay, I'm not opposed to having a fly to Chicago. Okay. Or, you know, you know, doing those types of things. Yeah. Does that ever, that's what I guess that's my question. Does that overwhelm me? Like, okay, I'm going to have to spend all this extra money mm-hmm. and how do I f- spend time with you? Cause it's different between Skype versus yeah, in person. That's true. Um, but it doesn't overwhelm me because I think it makes it that much more interesting. Mm-hmm. It makes it, you know, you have to be very creative in how you connect with someone, especially when you're not there in person. So you do want to do things like Skype or, you know, make sure you communicate as much as you can when you're not together. Um, but then mm-hmm. also, you know, finding unique ways to connect. I like to play games and, you know, I would say, hey, pull out a piece of paper and let's, you know, play this game that I want to play. Or even with crosswords, we would do crosswords together or things like that. So to me, I think it's, it's refreshing to be more creative and, and, and forces you to do that. It is a little bit, I guess, tougher when you do have long distance to see each other as much as you would like. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that anything that you want to have happen can. You just have to logistically figure out how can we make this work and then have a long-term goal in mind to obviously be together um, sooner rather than later. Hey, do you have to pay your own way on your first dates? Should you? Um, it depends. It depends on if you've been asked. Personally, I wouldn't want to. If you ask me on a date, I feel like the first date should definitely be you paying for it. <laughs> but, yeah. you know. Um, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just depends. I oh, had yeah. a coffee rule. I was oh. like, I don't know you. I'm not spending. <laughs> I'm not spending twenty nine ninety nine when I could have got away from three bucks and ten minutes later. Like, oh man, oh. we do not connect. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, but another thing about I guess like online dating. I personally have not yet had the opportunity to um, date online. I'm not opposed to it. I just haven't had. Mm-hmm a chance to explore that. But I know the algorithm ra- algorithms are really good. So did you yeah. meet your wife that way? Or did you guys just meet the old school way? It was like- funny. I had just bought like an extra membership to like a new site. I hadn't used it before. Okay. And then somebody I worked with was like, hey, I know this girl. 
Okay. She's single le- recently. And I was like, all right, well, what's another, you know, yeah. blind date? Okay. So that and, was kind of like old school. Which, I mean, I think every, yeah. I don't know if everyone would love to meet the old school way, you know, a friend of a friend or bump into someone, someone at the grocery store. But at the same time, I think it's pretty cool that you can meet someone that you connect with via these, you know, these sites. The algorithms are amazing. They are amazing. Yeah. And so I think that they would connect you with people that you have a lot of compatibility with. Yeah. I don't not recommend it. Mm-hmm. I was just curious how. <laughs> I just, you know. I, I haven't, I haven't yet, but I, I'm open. I am open. I'm single and I am open. There we go. How do you prepare your day? Do you have like a morning routine or a lunch routine mm-hmm. that excites you or gets you grounded? So recently, um, I make sure that I meal prep on Sundays because if I don't have okay. a plan going forward to the week, then I'm going to make terrible decisions and I'm going to spend money I don't have. So for me, everything probably starts on that Sunday. Um, starts with Mm -hmm. meal prepping, starts with me thinking about, okay, what is my goal this week and how am I going to get to it? And how am I going to think about it every day so that I can actually make moves to achieving that? I made it a point to say, Hey, I need to start working out (laughs) because holidays are coming and I haven't lost the weight that I gained last holiday season. And so I want to start, you know, working out, want to make sure my meals are prepped. I always start out with some type of music. I wake up, I have some music, just some reflection time. And then I have a grateful journal as well. And so mm. I've been keeping a grateful journal. It's right here actually in my bed. You see it. And I started, let me try and see the first day that I started it was December 18th, 2015. So it's coming up on my oh. two year anniversary of keeping a grateful journal. And basically my grateful journal is just, I jot down maybe at least one thing, at least one thing from that day. Um, but I can have multiple things that made me grateful or made me smile or this just changed my perspective in a way that's refreshing. Um, and so yesterday I had an amazing day. I got to break the news to someone that they were expecting. And that moment, you know what I'm saying? I want to remember that. I want to remember that for as long as I can. And it's no better feeling than telling someone, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have a baby and then really being excited about it. And then the partner was there, they gave me a hug. So I wrote that down um, yesterday, but there are so many things to be grateful for. And I think that a lot of times we're always focused on the bad, the negative, you know, it's snowing here in Chicago already. Today was the first day of snow. So I know people may be thinking, oh, it's snowing and all these things, but you know, I want to focus on positive or great things and you know, have that lead the way for the rest of the day. Do you ever go back and kind of read from time to time? I haven't. I haven't in a while, actually. I probably should. I started and I got up to like October 2016. So, I, you know, I, and, I, and I, it refreshes my mind like, oh, my gosh, I can't I can't remember um, the exact day. But I remember, you know, that one thing that stood out. So I, I would awesome. definitely recommend that for anybody, you know, just keep something and constantly live in a state of, of gratefulness. And it could just be a, a notebook, right? You don't yeah. have to go out and buy a nope. $20 no. fancy thing. Nope. You said Very it. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's the last couple fun questions. Okay. <laughs> Any favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that you secretly enjoy and some that you're just like, everyone has to check this out? Okay. Um, podcast. I'm, I'm new, I guess, which I would say, to the field of podcasts, but... Okay. I watch Insecure. It's a show on HBO. I'm sure if you're familiar, but they have um, they have like a recap podcast after the show airs, and okay. it it really opened me up to podcasts. It was about an hour long, but I just play it in the car on my way to work, 
And it's, mm-hmm. it's funny. You know, I listen and I laugh along. And so I can't remember. What's the name of it? It's like, it's like, uh, Insecurity, I think is the name of that podcast. So in, instead of, it's, the show is Insecure and the podcast is Insecurity. So that's, I guess that would okay. be like my guilty pleasure podcast. And I like to laugh and all that stuff. Have you discovered 1.5 speed yet? No, I haven't. Oh. <laughs> That'll change your life, huh? Shave, shave off 15 to 20 minutes, man. <laughs> if you're into it. I'm like a marathon guy. I'm like, let's get through let's it. Get, through get to it. the next one. <laughs> no. Any books? Any books lately? Um, There's one Pathophysiology? in Pathophysiology? No. Please no. <laughs> please no. <laughs> Um, there's a book called the four agreements. Okay. And I, I always try to remember, um, the four agreements. One of them is to not take things personally. And that has helped me tremendously in my adult mm-hmm. life. Um, a lot of times when people, I guess, react to you in certain situations, you kind of, you, you, you have a tendency to take things personally, whereas the book kind of helps you to dissect things and say, Hey, anything that happens, um, or someone says something, let's say rude to you. You have to, to, to immediately shift that off of yourself and look at it and say, okay, what is it in this person's life that made them react that way versus, you know, me taking something that someone says or does personally. And that has helped me tremendously. That has helped mm-hmm. me a lot. So the book is four agreements. There are three other agreements. One of them is always be, um, good about your word or something like that. It's two other ones, but it's a great book. It's an easy read. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like a hundred it. some, yeah, a hundred and some notes. odd pages. And it's just, it's a really good quick read, but it just helps you get back to ground zero before you take things personally. Well, you know, that makes sense because you don't know. They could have had a huge fight with their Absolutely. teenage kid and then you're the next person and yeah. they're still frustrated mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it wasn't awesome. me at all. I mean, we see that all the time. Like people are rude. You get rid of their back pain and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, this person's actually enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like, right. <laughs> I could have just done without them about a week ago, but now they're actually enjoyable. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Last fun question. Alrighty, I'm ready. We have a love affair with our phones. Yes, we do. Most of we us. Do. Any favorite apps, business or pleasure that you gravitate to besides the classic Instagram mm-hmm. and, and Facebook? Let's see. I haven't started this app yet. But it's for the uh, the guitar lessons. It's called. I just downloaded it today, and it's called Use It Musician. And so I just I I, okay. I think it's gonna help me because it's it basically is going to challenge you and listen to the different chords as you play and help you and train you. So I'm really mm. looking forward to using that app. Um, so many great, amazing things technology has given us, and anything that you want to be able to do, you can do. You just have to funnel your your focus into that. And I'm, I'm very determined to try to learn how to play the guitar before I start residency. Um, so that, you know, I have something else, a different outlet and I, you know, I don't want to keep putting it off. Like, Oh, I want to learn. I want to learn. The time is now I have the time and then I'm going to use different apps and, you know, YouTube to my advantage. Have you, are you musically inclined or with other instruments? I am not. I, oh. It's funny because my dad, um, he purchased a keyboard for me like many moons ago, probably over 20 years mm-hmm. ago. And I, I tried to teach myself, but it didn't work. I think it would have helped if I had lessons. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Piano style yeah, stuff. But yeah. I, I always have this affinity and this love for music. And I, I just, I can imagine myself just rocking out with the electric guitar. And I'm like, the time is now. The time is now to try and learn. 
What's your What's your top two songs? What are you trying to find? What are you trying to play? You know, what is your goal? What is my goal? I don't. You know what? Honestly, Maroon Five. I want to just freestyle. I want to oh. be able to freestyle something just melodic and beautiful, and that will be my goal. Some original, mm-hmm. some original pieces. Cool. Yeah, but I do love. That's a tough. That's a tough challenge. Yeah, I love Daniel Caesar though, and uh, he has a song, um, "Best Part." So maybe I can try and learn that. I don't know. There you go. It's all chords. Most of these people. Yeah. Do you play? Do you play? Any out. I, no, I mean I pretend to sing. <laughs> um, you know. I think I like to say my hands are small <laughs> and my uh, lack of rhythm. I've got all kinds of excuses to not actually uh, pick up an instrument and learn to play. But I, I pretend like when I'm driving or something, oh, yeah. like I can see my on stage yeah. rocking out. But I'm, yeah, I, I like, got to make this a reality. I just feel like I feel like a deep connection. I feel like I can play. I just have to get the instrument and learn. So I'll, you I'll keep this? you posted and let you know how that goes. I think you can do it. You'll, you'll probably put it on Instagram that first time you <laughs> nailed it. Mary Little had a little land was awesome today. <laughs> uh, well, how can people get in touch with you and find more information about Dr. Janelle? Okay, Hadley? so um, you can definitely follow me on Instagram at paging Dr. Hadley. Um, I also paging Dr. Yes, Hadley. Paging Dr. Hadley. I also have a Facebook page. Um, it's just Dr. Janelle K. Hadley. And then also my business page is cake.and.fate. And, you know, even if you just want to take a look and just, you know, even get inspired um, by some of the things that I post and make, you know, it's a great page to follow. I don't ship or anything like that. So if you're not in the Chicagoland area, unfortunately, you won't be able to have some goodies, but you're more than welcome to follow. And, you know, maybe can exchange recipes, any tips or things like that. Okay. Mm. Thank you so much for, uh, coming on the show and sharing your unique perspective. Thank you so much for having me. This was an amazing experience and I'm grateful for the opportunity to share. Another great episode in the book. Thank you so much for being on the show, being open with us. It was interesting to hear that even if we wanted to give more patients nutrition and lifestyle advice that some people just don't care. And sometimes I think we we forget that when we're surrounding ourselves with uh, like-minded people. You're an inspiration to me. And I'm sure to a lot of people, work hard during residency, never stop learning. And I know you're going to be a great benefit to the urban community where you decide to end up. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash four eight. Travel tip coming up next. I've got some new things to talk about. Of course, you can always review us. Give us that five star review on wherever you listen. But I got four new T-shirts. You know, there's chiropractors, some of them that just like to adjust. There's some like me who do rehab and, you know, decompression and cold laser, things like that. And we call us straights versus mixers. So I created some mixed tour shirts. Uh, they're supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek. Hope you like them. Also, the Atlas, I removed the dins. So therefore, check that out. Maybe you'll like that better. Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health Book version 2.0 is now out. We got nerve stretches, optimal calorie counter calculators, a section on fasting, and a big old section on how to budget and try to get your financial life in order. All the things that I talk about all the time. It's over 100 extra pages, so get it now. Bonus, my new hot off the presses book, Needleless Acupuncture, self-treatment guide for 40 common conditions, is finally finished. It's been a in the works for quite a while. Stop the hurting with no needles or meds. Your roadmap to self-treat your conditions painlessly. 
with needless acupuncture. It's got pictures, it has descriptions, it has, of course, the conditions, and I plan to have video tutorials soon. Just go to the website and check it out. Also on the website, look on the top right, all the social media icons are right there. Whichever you like to follow me on, click that button and say hello. Travel tip. There is an app called Cash App, and you're able to send money to people a little easier than just using your bank's app. So if you ever have to split a bill at a restaurant with your friends, nobody carries cash, and the restaurant doesn't let you do it, this is one of those ways that you can do it. Or if uh, you know that person's never actually going to pay you back, you better get it while you can. Cash App. Till next week, thanks for tuning in to the African American Doctor Spotlight Series. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.